Hello, fantasy football community. It's your host, Nate McAllister. And back with us is Boogie Borges. And you are listening to another episode of the Fantasy On Tap podcast, a podcast where we talk about fantasy football and beer. Uh, what's up, Boogie Borges? Woo woo. What's going on, Big Nate Dog, D O W G? Uh, you know, just ready to get down on this podcast that we've been waiting for for a while. Me and uh, James, we've had some difficulties trying to get our uh, schedules, our conflicting schedules together, but uh, we're finally back. Um, try and run this thing down for you. So this week, James chose the beer. James chose the uh, Modelo Negra. James, uh, what do you like about this beer? Let me get a little sip of this beer real quick before I start talking about it. First of all, Modelo, doesn't matter what type of Modelo it is. I love Modelo beer. It's one of my go-to beers. I, I drink it all the time. Well, I wouldn't say I drink it all the time, but when I do drink, it's one Alcoholic of my go-to up beers. Up in here. Shit. Uh, but the thing that I love about it is I love caramel, caramel, whatever you want to call it. And, <laughs> and it has a huge taste of it. It's just delicious. It's nice. It's silky. It's smooth. Um, the way I like to drink it is I have a big old iced mug, pour the beer into it, and I actually put a wedge of lime in there, squeeze it in there. These things go down easy. I mean, if you're barbecuing, if you're chilling, whatever you're doing, I highly recommend this beer. I highly recommend Modelo just in general. Uh, to be honest, I mean, it's not my first beer of choice. I mean, I've had them before. They're fine. I like them. They go good with uh, Mexican food, maybe some tacos or enchiladas. But, uh, uh, I mean, it's not definitely not my first choice. But it's definitely a good beer. Um, For some reason, I keep coming back to this beer and just Modelo in general. It's just one of my go-to beers. So maybe. that's why I'm in love with it. Maybe it's that little gold foil that goes around it. Dude, definitely. You know what I mean? You see the gold foil on the uh, – on the glass bottle, it gets you a little excited. You feel like you're popping on, open some champagne. You know what I mean? It's not the champagne of beers, but it's, it's so fancy. It's way better than the champagne of beers. I tell you that much. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Enough about the uh, beer. We are uh, today. We are going to get into the uh, fantasy top ten wide receivers. We're breaking this down. Last uh, episode with me and James was the running backs. Now this week we're <clears> going to bust down the. Uh, wide receivers. So we're about to tap that fantasy keg. We're going to start off with James. He's going to knock off uh, our consensus number one player. Uh, This player is DeAndre Hopkins. He's currently going round one, pick six, wide receiver one consensus for us. Um, Jimmy had him, or Boogie Borges had him at uh, wide receiver one. I personally had him at wide receiver two. Uh, James, give us your breakdown on D-Hop and why he will be the wide receiver one this year. All right. So before I jump into jump into DeAndre Hopkins, you guys know that we profile five apiece. I just wanted to break down kind of what I was going to be profiling on each wide receiver. I'm going to jump into their passing offense and where that ranks. I'm going to jump in uh, just the the total percentage of the passing offense for each wide receiver, where their offense ranks overall, and what what percentage of total offense is through the air. Um, I'm going to talk about players on the offense uh, that 
may take away some opportunities and kind of dive deep into that. I think with running backs, it's kind of straightforward. They're either the starter or they're not, or they're sharing time. Wide receivers are always sharing time. So I think it's important to talk about the weapons that are around them. And um, I will also briefly just jump into the coaching. I like looking at coaching schemes and, and kind of see what kind of offense that they're running over there. Okay, so without further ado, DeAndre Hopkins had him ranked number one. This guy is six foot one, two twelve, runs a four five seven forty. He was pick number twenty seven in the first round, the two thousand thirteen draft out of Clemson. This guy's a two time All Pro and a three time Pro Bowler. He's twenty seven years old. Uh, let me go over last year's stats. Last year, last year's stats. He had a hundred and fifteen receptions for fifteen hundred and seventy two yards, thirteen point seven average. Scored eleven TDs. This guy is an animal. This guy is a beast. Okay. Right now, currently, the Houston Texans passing offense is ranked only number 17. They're in the middle of the pack. Uh, Last year, they threw for 3,781 yards. DeAndre Hopkins accounted for 42% of those yards. They had 26 total TDs through the air. He also accounted for 42% of those touchdowns. So this guy eats eats a big portion of their passing offense as a wide receiver. Through the air, 65% of their total offense is through the air, so two-thirds of all their yards come through the air. 54% total TDs, a little bit over half of their TDs come through the air. So this guy is eating a big chunk out of that offense. Players that are on the roster that possibly take away from DeAndre Hopkins, they have Lamar Miller, which is going to get some carries. He goes for about a little bit over 1,000 yards a season. He doesn't really take that much up of their offense, even though he's their feature back. Duke jo- Johnson is their backup. I would be a little – I mean, he, he might take a little bit of catches away, a little bit more opportunity away from DeAndre, but, I mean, it's going to be very minimal. Uh, their wide receivers, Kiki Kuti and Will Fuller the fifth. Uh, A lot of people are kind of wary, thinking that they're going to take um, some of the receptions away from DeAndre Hopkins totally for their careers. They've only all played together in three games total. Uh, Will Fuller has the injury bug. Kiki Kuti uh, also got injured last year. Um, I can't even name one of their tight ends that are going to take any carries away. Their wide receiver is going to be hurt. Their running backs is not going to have a lot of impact. This wide receiver is the number one offensive weapon on this team. Like Zeke is to Dallas, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is to Houston. He is their identity on offense. Um, Really quick, their coach is Bill O'Brien. He's the play caller. I'm not expecting much change in their offense. They're going to be a pass-first offense, evident of the 65% of their total offenses through the air. Um. One last point I wanted to make about DeAndre Hopkins was he is quarterback proof. These are the quarterbacks that he's played with. TJ Yates, Tom Savage, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, Brock Osweiler, Matt Schaub, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brandon Whedon. Okay. Uh, Deshaun Watson is now his quarterback. This is the best quarterback he's had throughout his whole career. 
So I expect him to have stability there. But just to kind of bring this whole point together was he's quarterback proof. You don't have to worry about any of the offensive weapons on offense taking away from his opportunities. This guy is the clear-cut number one wide receiver. Nate, tell me what you're thinking about DeAndre Hopkins, baby. Well, you know how I feel about D-Hop. I think that dude is the man. He had a crazy stat out there about him last year. He did not have a drop in 2018, which is ridiculous. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I did a little bit of a uh, efficiency breakdown. Kind of, I took the amount of touches that a player had and divided it by the points that they that they accrued over the 2018 season. And DeAndre Hopkins averaged 2.37 points per game. Um, now, I mean, not per game, I'm sorry, 2.37 uh, points per touch. And that's, that's pretty damn good because to be in the kind of elite status, all the elite wide receivers got somewhere over 2.3. So if you're getting over 2.3 per touch, then you're in good shape. And DeAndre Hopkins obviously was there with 2.37. Um, the man's a monster. The only thing that I'm a little concerned about and I, why I didn't put him at 1-1 is I'm just not super confident in the offensive line. I'm not super confident in the Texans as a whole. I don't think that – I know that he's going to get fed and he's going to have a ton of opportunity. I just – it was splitting hairs, to be honest, between him and Adams, and I went with Adams. Um, but the offense, I liked the Packers' offense more than I liked the Texans' offense, so I had to go that way. But he's an absolute monster. He averaged 17.3 points per game, 163 total targets. Um, he averaged uh, 10.2 points per game, which is pretty solid as well. Um, that was sixth best among wide receivers. Um, his reception total 115, second best amongst wide receivers. I mean, he was just an absolute monster. His touchdown floor might be a little low because uh, I think last year the Texans team passing touchdown was only at 26, so um, not as high as some of the other guys on there, but he's a monster. Take him. You should feel confident taking him. He's going to get fed. There's no real opportunity for him to fail. Um, yeah. That's he hop. He's a monster. <laughs> Go get him. Yeah. <clears throat> this is my thing, okay? You have to realize when a fantasy player, regardless of their position, is the number one off- option on their offense. And in this case, D hop is. And that's why I feel so confident in him. You know, he has a, a really high floor. He has the safest floor out of any of these wide receivers. I mean, I don't know what else to say about the guy. He's just half man, half amazing. Take DeAndre Hopkins. All right. Enough with DeAndre Hopkins. All right. So our next wide receiver on our list is Devontae Adams. Currently his ADP is going in round one, pick number eight. He's wide receiver number two off the board. I had him ranked number three. Mr. Nate Dogg had him ranked number one. All right, Nate, let me hear your story on Devontae Adams. Why am I taking him? Let's hear it. Devontae Adams, dude's a monster. Um, He's in a great offense with a great quarterback. Some think that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league, and there's a good argument for that. He's put up huge stats every year, and Devontae Adams was the benefactor last year. He's had a ton of different options over his career, but um, Devontae Adams finally, finally took that leap last year and was like the elite wide receiver that everyone was kind of expecting him to be um, since he came out of Fresno State. Uh, so just to kind of break down Devontae Adams' stats and the reason why I put him number one over uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So last year, 
Um, Devontae Adams actually outscored, I mean, out-targeted uh, DeAndre Hopkins 169 to 163. It's not that much. Um, his points per game was 18.3 uh, to DeAndre Hopkins 17.3. So that I thought, I mean, of course, you can just go off the raw stats and say, yeah, Devontae Adams scored more points. He's going to score more points than Hopkins next year. But I, I look at Aaron Rodgers' play. Aaron Rodgers was banged up since week one, um, and, when he, and he only had 25 touchdowns last year. Every other year for the last five years, he's had over 30 touchdowns with a ceiling of 45 touchdowns. So that's, that's really a, that's a, big, that's a big thing to know about him because um, Devontae Adams took up 32 red zone targets. That's number one in the league for any wide receiver in 2018. Um, that, that was 39% of the Green Bay Packers red zone targets went through Devontae Adams, which is ridiculous. So if you increase Aaron Rodgers' touchdown total just a little bit, you're going to get monsters, even more monster stats uh, than Devontae Adams put up last year. Last year, Devontae Adams had 13 touchdowns, which was second amongst wide receivers. He had 111 wide, uh, receptions. That was fifth amongst wide receivers. Um, his total points per game was 11.3, second amongst wide receivers. And that was all with Aaron Rodgers only scoring, like I said, 25 touchdowns. So you increase Aaron Rodgers' total. Devontae Adams' total obviously goes up because he, he has that lion's share of targets um, inside the red zone, lion's share of targets outside of the red zone, just down the field. He's just a monster. So uh, the next thing is the people that are around him. Geronimo Allison and MVS are the wide receiving options over there. And then Jimmy Graham. None of these guys are striking fear into my heart when I'm drafting. Devontae Adams one. <laughs> the first wide receiver off the board. I'm not thinking about Geronimo Allison and MVS, how they're going to impact him. The next thing, the Green Bay Packers were number one in passing plays per game last year. Um, they threw 67.54% of the time, uh, which is just a ridiculous amount of time. And when you're looking for a number one wide receiver, you're looking for the guy who's going to have a ton of opportunity. He's the number one piece in the number one throwing offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else you got to say? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a monster. All right. What are you doing, crunching ice? Oh, yeah, it was for a second. Sorry. I can hear it. My bad. All right. So the only thing that I can there, – there's two things that I can say about Devontae Adams, and they don't really scare me that much, but it's just something that I have in the back of my mind that I want to think about is you kind of already mentioned – um, Aaron Rodgers, there's just something that's been off about Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, for the last two or three years where he, he kind of has the injury bug and he's starting to get up there in age. Now, I still believe in his ability, and I hope he has a healthy season um, for himself, but also for Devontae Adams because I love Devontae Adams. The other thing is they changed coaching schemes. I mean, sorry, not coaching schemes. They they changed head coaches, and you you want to believe that they're going to be doing the exact same thing that they did last year when they get into the red zone, but we just don't know. Um, they're they're going to have a, their number one running back. What what's his name? Nate. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Hopefully, he's going to have a full season over there. Is he going to take away targets? Are they going to try to incorporate the run more? Um, I know it's something minimal, but it's still something to think about. I still think he is elite of the elite. Um, I think you're 
like you said, Nate, you're you're splitting hairs when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins and, and Devontae Adams. Um, it's just kind of like, what do you like? What do you like better? I think Devontae Adams is in a more secure offense than, than DeAndre Hopkins. He has better pieces around him. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's either or. I think it's really 1A and 1B. No, I, th- I think you're correct there. And, it, I mean, it's it was really, like I said, splitting hairs. A couple of other things that I just wanted to add to it I forgot was um, his uh, the points. When I divided out the points from his touches, so kind of like his efficiency total, um, it was 2.4 points per touch, um, which was more than Hopkins. Um, again, so – and then, I mean, it doesn't dip. I mean, he had 2.5. Even on, like, kind of a down year on 2017 – where he wasn't like as good as he was, he was still very efficient. He had 2.5 points per touch, which was really good. Uh, yeah, he's a solid guy. I, I don't think you can go wrong either way. I maybe say that he has like a safer floor. Hopkins has a safer, I mean, a higher ceiling. So, uh, so then we move on to our number three consensus pick. This guy goes in round one, pick 10, wide receiver three. It's Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, James, you had Julio. At number two, and uh, I had Julio Jones way down the list at number four. So, Jamie, <laughs> what are we doing to uh, pick Julio at number two above my boy Adams? Who, who, Julio? I feel like Julio is like the easiest wide receiver to do on this list because of his consistency, man. Um, Julio Jones, Six foot three, two twenty, ran a four three nine forty. He was the sixth pick in the two thousand eleven draft, round one out of Alabama. He's a two time All Pro and a six time Pro Bowler. He's been in the league for eight years. This guy has been killing it in fantasy forever. Last year's stats: he caught hundred and thirteen balls for one thousand six hundred and seventy seven yards. 14.8 average and eight touchdowns. Julio Jones is currently in the number four passing offense in the NFL. Last year, they threw for 4,653 yards. He accounted for 36% or about one third of all of the total yards in their offense, uh, passing offense. They had 36 TDs, which is a really good number. He was 22% of that. Um, his quarterback is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has quietly put together a career, like a very good career. You could start mentioning Matt Ryan and Julio Jones up there with some of the all-time great quarterback and wide receiver combinations. And I, I mean, we could name a bunch of them that are like amazing that are all in the hall of fame. And these guys are approaching those numbers. I just wanted to mention Matt Ryan real quick. He's been in the league 11 years. He has 46,720 passing yards and 295 TDs. These two have a great connection. Um, and this is one of the reasons why you're going to want to take Julio Jones. Um, through the air, 75% of their total offense comes through the air. That, that is insane. Three quarters of their total offensive yards come through the air 69 percent of their total tds come through the air this is an offense that is built around the pass. um players that are surrounding him they got Devonte freeman who's coming back from an injury plague 2018 season 
Um, if he's healthy, he is going to take uh, some of the opportunities on the ground and through the air. Uh, Calvin Ridley, uh, who had an amazing rookie season last year. I actually, these are the only players I wrote down stats for. He had 84 receptions, 821 yards, and 10 TDs. And Muhammad Sanu, who had 66 receptions, 838 yards, and four TDs. That, that's how much volume that this passing offense does. Those two wide receivers had 1,600 yards and 14 TDs in between them. And Julio had 1677 and eight TDs by himself. Um, this is a prolific passing offense. The only other option may be Austin Hooper, but he doesn't really take that much away. Um, their head coach is Dan Quinn. He's kind of the defensive guru. He runs the defense. He allows his offensive coordinator to uh, kind of run the offense. And they just signed Dirk Cutter. Dirk, Dirk Cutter was fired from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they signed him as their offensive coordinator. And coincidentally, um, as the Tampa Bay head coach from 2016 to 2018, they had the number one passing offense in the whole NFL, which kind of surprised me because maybe I don't just pay attention to Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe they're not on the radar enough. Maybe it's because they don't win that I haven't noticed that. But to me, that was kind of a huge factor in this. Um, and he, he had the number one passing offense last year, and that was split in between Fitzmagic and Jameis Winston. So I'm excited. I think uh, he can elevate my, Matt Ryan's game, which ele elevates Julio. I know the argument is going to be, man, he has Kevin Ridley that had 800 yards and 10 TDs, and you had Mohamed Sanu who had 800 yards and four TDs. But when you have a passing offense that's this prolific, 75% of their total offense is through the air, and you have historically one of the most dominant wide receivers ever to play in the NFL. He's just a physical specimen. There's basically he's in the mold of like a Calvin Johnson, except for Calvin Johnson is in a league of his own. And then you have Julio and all those other players that are in the same mold. He is, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest wide receivers of all time that's still in his prime. Nate, tell me what I need to hear about Julio Jones. Yeah, I mean, Julio is a monster. Everyone knows this. He's been a monster since he came into the league. Uh, I really like the guy. I put him all the way up at four. Four is pretty respectable. I'd be very happy having him as my wide receiver one in any league that I have. Um, my couple knocks, and I'll play devil's ad advocate here, my couple knocks on him are that he only had eight touchdowns. That was, uh, that was ranked uh, 11th in, the, in the, um, 2018 for any wide receiver. Um, that's not very good. His red zone targets, he only had 17 red zone targets out of, and that was uh, 14th in the league. Um, I don't see those numbers going up. A lot of times you can say that these numbers are kind of volatile touchdown numbers, but not in his situation. Um, there's other targets there, like you already mentioned, Sanu and um, Calvin Ridley. Both of these guys, huge targets in the red zone. They're both big wide receivers. Um, plus, like you said, they get Devontae Freeman back. He could be a little bit of a red zone option there as well, rushing near the goal line. Um, I just don't see his numbers coming up. He was still incredibly efficient. His efficiency number when I broke him down was 2.38 which was even higher than DeAndre Hopkins, and that was with the low touchdown total. So that means his, um, his average depth of target must have been really good, and it was. His average depth of target was 14.3 yards per target, which was uh, higher than uh, – I was very surprised about this. It was higher than um, Tyreek Hill over there, who was only at 14.2. Uh, 
which is, is pretty good. So he's still incredibly efficient. I'd be really happy with him. Um, if I did have a knock, like I said, his touchdown totals just aren't going to be there. I don't think they'll be there in 2019 either. This is the thing with Julio. He's For his career, on average, each season, he only averages 6.4 touchdowns. He does average 1,341 yards per season, 87 receptions, and 15.4 yards per reception. This is the thing with Julio. He's that guy that's going to you're you're going to your your team's going to be struggling. He's going to win you three or four games this year because he's going to have a game where he catches for 200 yards. He goes for 180 yards and 12 receptions. That's where his that's where he makes his money. This guy is a yard eater and he's a reception eater and when you're in a point per reception league, this guy as much as uh we're nitpicking at him and Nate you had a lot of good points and I agree with all those points. Those are valid points. At the same time, I still feel like we're nitpicking at him because this dude is super uh, consistent. He's super explosive, and he's going to win you a bunch of games. Oh, yeah, definitely. Agree. All right, enough with Julio. It's time to move to our number four wide receiver on our consensus list, who's no other than Michael Thomas. His current ADP is round number one, pick number 11, wide receiver number four, off the board, I had Michael Thomas ranked as my number four wide receiver. Nate, you had him ranked number six. You have some explaining to do. Tell me what's going on with Michael Thomas. Yeah, initially I thought like I was going to put Michael Thomas a lot higher up this list when I was jotting it all down before I kind of did the research on it. And then as I did the research, I found out a couple of things that maybe push him down a little bit. I mean, he's still wide receiver six. I'm really happy with getting him. As my wide receiver one, just like I am Julio or any of the other guys. But there are some little things that I'm not sold on. First, I'm going to go over his stats for last year. Um, last year, he was number one in the league for any wide receiver. He had 125 receptions. Uh, his total targets was ninth among wide receivers, 147 targets in 2018. And he averaged 9.2 targets per game, which was 10th best in the league. Uh, those are really good numbers. He had nine touchdowns with, uh, that was 10th in the league and his average points per game was 15.8 points per game. All these solid numbers, really, uh, really, really solid numbers. Something that you're just like, Oh, this guy should be way up on the list. Right? Well, I kind of looked at the Saints situation and I just don't see it getting better. Uh, Drew Brees, he's just continues to decline. He doesn't, um, his passing attempts are going down in the last three seasons. They went down all three seasons. Um, the Saints, they ranked number 28 in passing play percentage in 2018, which was a huge surprise to me, even with Michael Thomas's uh, target totals over there. And they only threw the ball 54.32% of the time, which is very low. Um, his average depth of target, this blew my mind. So, his average depth of the target was 7.8 yards per target. Um, Julio Jones, 14.3, was almost double his depth of target. So his efficiency rank, ranking obviously wasn't as good. It was a 2.02. All the elite wide receivers, like I said earlier, sit somewhere about a 2.3. You don't think that that's a lot, but um, if he's not getting that type of volume, his, po his points at the end of the year aren't going to be there because of his efficiency ranking and how many points he's catch or he has per touch. So I see the Saints just kind of on a slight decline. I think that the Saints are still going to be a good team, but that's in football terms, you know, not fantasy terms. 
Alvin Kamara continues to get better and they utilize him more and more in the passing game. Um, there's not a lot more that like kind of, that's only like the good side about it, right? Like there's not a ton that's going to take away from over there. He's Drew Brees, number one target. He's going to feast all the time from Drew Brees. That, that guy's going to keep continue to pound him the rock. But are they going to continue to throw the ball as often as they are, which is only 54% of the time? Or are they going to start running Latavius Murray, running uh, Alvin Kamara, and, uh, you know, get those guys more involved in the offense and take, let Drew, who's aging, kind of step back and get out of that role. Um, I know Sean Payton. He's a very smart head coach. He plays to all of his players' abilities. He makes sure that he's using his, his players in the situation that's going to make them successful. And I think he's found out that his most talented player is Alvin Kamara, and he's going to try and win through Alvin Kamara and no longer through Drew, Drew Brees' arm. Um, that Drew Brees, he still was pretty efficient. He had 35 touchdowns, which was only one less than Matt Ryan, who had a really great season as well. So Drew Brees is incredibly efficient. He, his uh, passing completion percentage was the top in the league. So he's efficient. Michael Thomas, not so efficient. So I'm just saying if Michael Tom, I mean, if Drew Brees takes a little bit of a decline, the Saints stop passing the ball as much. I can definitely see a guy who Michael Thomas, who relies heavily on that target total, just taking a decline, taking a backseat, and maybe falling lower down on this list, falling somewhere past uh, Julio Jones. Now, when I was kind of ranking them out, I have OBJ ahead of him. I just see he's, OBJ is way more efficient. Julio Jones, way more uh, efficient, obviously, with the uh, average depth of target. Um, Juju is a similar player to him, but I see them both kind of as volume monsters, and I just like that I don't think the Steelers are going to take the foot off the gas. They're just going to continue to pass the ball. So um, when I was ranking it down, he just fell right there, and it felt right to put him there. Um, I love the floor. He's probably going to have a really good year because he's just going to get a ton of receptions. But like I said, average depth of target, 7.8. That's, uh, that's not very good. So um, what can you tell me on what, I, what, I'm, what I'm wrong about, James? Well, it's not that you're wrong. I mean, there's just a lot of different angles to look at. Um, I I agree with a lot of things um, that you just mentioned. Um, the thing that that I learned a long time ago is uh, as long as you have a quarterback, you have a chance. But I believe in Sean Payton and Drew Brees. They had the the best offense in the NFL until they ran into the Dallas Cowboys. I had to give them a shout out real quick, boop, boop. And, and we. And we shut them down on a Thursday night game. It was beautiful. Uh, but before that, their their offense was unstoppable. And I know you were you were mentioning that they only passed it 54% of the time. That's because they're in a balanced offense. Sean Payton is a is one of the greatest offensive minds of this generation. You could put him up there with Andy Reid, a bunch of other really good coaches. Um, he's a genius. Like you said, he knows how to get the most out of his players. Michael Thomas, uh, he's only been three years in the league. He's, he's been a one-time All-Pro already, two-time Pro Bowler. I think this kid is young, and he's just really starting to figure it out. I mean, last year, he was number one in receptions. He was second in yards. His average, like you said, the average depth, it, it reflects in his average per reception. It was only 11.2. So this guy isn't blowing the top off of defenses, and he only had nine touchdowns. To me, he's like a, a young Julio Jones. I see his ceiling being even higher. Julio's declining. This guy's barely going into the fourth year. Um, 
fourth year of his of his career. I see him keep going. I know Drew Brees is winding down, but when you have a guy like that, I think efficiently, like what you were saying, they know they're going to run their offense to Alvin Kamara. We all know that. So 54% of their passing offense, it's actually even less than that if you take out what they're giving to Alvin. They're giving Alvin a high percentage of the targets. Yeah, I think he had like 80, 80, uh, 80 targets last year or something like that. I mean, so if you take that out, it's even less of what's going to the wide receivers and the tight ends. It's just this guy is such an animal, he can't be stopped. He's that good. He's a beast. He, 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 like what I just said, Julio Jones is on the decline, and I think Michael Thomas is the next Julio Jones. He's in the same mold as him, and I think uh, he's on the uptick. And, and I know Drew Brees is getting old, but it doesn't scare me because I think they're going to be efficient and they're going to find ways to get him the ball. I don't think he's going to have 125 receptions, but if he dropped to 100 receptions, let's say he, you knock off 25 of those receptions, you're still going to say that was a great year. 100 receptions in a PPR league is amazing for a wide receiver. And if he keeps his touchdowns near that, um, even if his yards fall off a little bit, I still think this guy, he has a high ceiling and a very low floor. Yeah, I think uh, exact opposite. I think that he has a very high floor because of the uh, target totals. He's just going to get forced, like you said. There's no other wide receiver there. Um, he has a higher opportunity in the red zone, too. I didn't mention that. He was second in red zone targets with 31. Just because Sorry. He's, he's the only dude there. Sorry, I, I agree with you. Yes. Yeah. I said, I said that wrong. Oh, I agree okay. with what you said. Uh, <laughs> either way, um, I don't. I don't – I kind of did think that he was like the next Julio, like this just target monster. But, no, I, I just think that his efficiency, his depth per target um, is not there. Like Julio's, he's, he's not the He's still learning. Track. He's still learning. I think he hit his he, peak. He, I, I'm not saying he's a bad wide receiver. I just think he peaked out, um, and I don't see Drew Brees get any better. And I can tell you that um, the kid uh, – what's his name? The, the backup quarterback that they signed this year – who, Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, or you Teddy talking Bridgewater. About? Yeah, Bridgewater. He's not the answer next year or it, whenever Drew finally retires. I just think he hit his peak. Um, I like him. I'd still be happy with him. But uh, enough about Michael Here. Thomas. Let's move on to the number five. We can argue about him all day long. Woo! All right. The number five wide receiver on our consensus list was uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he's currently going round one, pick 12 all the way at the back. Wide receiver five. Um, Jimmy had him at number six. I had him at number five. We had him pretty close. Um, James, give me the deets on OBJ. Tell me what's going on with him in Brown's land. I mean, OBJ, out of all the wide receivers I profiled, I think his was the most eye-opening um, to, to me. And let me jump in and, and explain why. So OBJ, he's five foot eleven, 198 pounds. He ran a four-four-three. He was the 12th pick in the 2014 draft round, number one out of LSU. He's a three-time Pro Bowler. Let me rattle off some of his stats. Okay, so this is when you think of OBJ, I think everyone kind of like remembers that catch and they're like, man, this guy's just such a beast, and blah, 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 blah. And he he is. He's a physical freak. But when I dove into his stats, I really wasn't that impressed. Um, last year he had 77 receptions for 1,052 yards, uh, 13.7, 
um, average per reception. He had six touchdowns. Um, so, I mean, barely over a thousand. I mean, we could, I'm going to dive into Eli and talk about that a little bit. And that has something to do with it. And he's hurt. But, he was hurt, right? Yep. And for his career. Okay. Uh, this does it. This does uh, does take into account for his injuries. On average, for his career, seventy eight receptions, one thousand ninety five yards, fourteen yards of receptions, eight point eight. So last year, he almost matched exactly what his average has been for his whole career. Um, last year, he was in the eleventh passing offense, which I actually think it should be lower than that because of the amount of balls that Saquon Barkley caught and the yards that he produced on his own without the arm of Eli Manning. But nonetheless, Eli passed for 4,047 yards. He accounted for 26% total of their passing offense, 23 touchdowns, which again was 26% total touchdowns in that offense. Um, The offense that he's entering uh, last year, uh, the Browns were right the number 14th passing offense. They actually threw for 40 less yards uh, as a team than the Giants did. They had six more touchdowns. And this is going to be the biggest argument um, that you're going to have to deal with with OBJ is he's going from Eli Manning, who is three or four years removed past his prime. And, I mean, that's a stretch for me to even say three or four years. He has been an inept um, passer, blame it on the offensive line, blame it on the head coach, blame it on Odell, blame it on whoever you want. That's just a, a fact of the matter. Eli Manning um, is not the quarterback that he once was or he ever was. Um, now he's going to be teaming up with Baker May- Mayfield, um, the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. He threw for 30 touchdowns his rookie year, and he didn't even start the whole year. We're talking about a a phenom up-and-coming quarterback that he's being paired with. Um, Through the air last year, 68% of their total offense was through the air. Uh, 48% total total TDs was through the air. Um, They have a stacked offense. Um, They got Nick Chubb at running back. They'll get Kareem Hunt back late in the season. Uh, They got Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry. David and Joku uh, last year, uh, Jarvis, he ate up 976 yards, 81 receptions on average for his career. He averages 96 receptions and a thousand and three yards. So that's probably my main concern is uh, how many balls he's going to be splitting with Jarvis. And then all the other guys I just had to name um, his head coach is Jim Bob Cooter, which I just want to say is the finest, head 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 coaching name in the league how can you go wrong with jim bob cooter um his offensive coordinator is todd munkin who was the offensive coordinator of the aforementioned bucks which had the number one passing offense the past three years i heard that dude ain't monking around that guy is not monking around so you got dirt cutter that's hooking up with julio and now you got Todd Munkin that's hooking up with OBJ. So he's going to be bringing over that number one passing offense mentality over to the Browns, which I think is a plus. Um, the other thing that's kind of good is you have a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator. 
Uh, Jim Bob Cooter was the offensive coordinator, so he's kind of already used used to that uh, division, which may or may not help him for what it's worth. Same thing with Todd Munkin. The Bucks played played this uh, the AFC North last year, so he's also familiar with them. Just to mention again, he was the offensive co- coordinator for the number one passing offense, and he had Fitz Magic and Jameis Winston to work with last year, and now he's getting um, Baker Mayfield. That's where I'm kind of torn. I feel like OBJ was in a bad position um, with the Giants overall, just with his quarterback and just the overall, just the whole team. Um, It was cancerous. He was in a bad situation. I don't think he was able to bloom. I think um, it's good that he went to the Browns. He's getting a fresh start uh, to rewrite his career. And uh, I think he's going to be with a better quarterback. The only question that I really have is, they have some big-time talent on offense. How is that going to be divvied up? Um, I do think he's going to eat. I don't think – I mean, his career average is a little bit over um, 1,000 yards, cl- like close to 11. I think he does a little bit better than that. I'm just a little bit wary of uh, what he's going to share and, and, and how much he's going to be the focal points of this offense. We have no idea until we see it this next year. Sure. No, I think uh, I think you hit a lot of great points, and I'm I'm just a little bit higher on OBJ than you. Um, obviously, I had him at five. You had him at six. Uh, I mean, he's he's a monster. He got force fed over there in in New York because he was so vocal. I don't think he can do the same thing with Baker. Baker actually has a spine, which Eli obviously didn't. Um, Baker's done. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, that's the that's the truth. So. Baker, he's already, he's already came out and he's been very vocal in social media and kind of just um, been vocal on uh, training camp. Baker Mayfield, I think, is the real deal. I'm buying into that guy, and I just buy into the OBJ talent. OBJ, um, with the shortened season, being injured, he still, he still was sixth best in red zone targets last year with 21 targets. Um, the efficiency metric that I've been um, kind of blabbering on about this entire episode he was 2.33. Uh, he scored 2.33 points per touch. That that's really good. That's in the elite numbers. And he finished at uh, wide receiver 16. So um, that's really good numbers. It's obviously um, indicative of how efficient he was. And just give him the volume, and he and he escalates into the you know top echelon, maybe right there in the top five. I am a little bit scared of the Jarvis Landry uh, effect. Um, when you were talking about Jarvis Landry, too, just as a side note, I kind of thought of him as like uh, Michael Thomas, like a mini Michael Thomas, just over there to eating up receptions, just being okay, average depth of target really low. But anyway, uh, we then OBJ, he, he could be elite. You know, he gets the volume. He only – he had 124 targets last year, which was 14th best. If he gets up in like the top 10 targets – um, he's going to be he, with his efficiency. He'll be extremely good and um, finish inside the probably the top five wide receivers where I got him. Um, I think he's in a good situation, playing against or playing with a a good offense. That's what I'm really trying to target this year. I really like the offense that he's going to be in. Um, yeah, I don't think those dudes are mucking around at all over there. No, I I agree with what you're saying. He's he's in a better offense. He's with a better quarterback. Um, the the thing that I uh, let me further explain when he was with the Giants, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted and they allowed him to throw these fits. And this is what got him traded, right? They allowed him to do all these things. 
The thing I'm most interested to see is, is they're going to put him in this offense. And we know how big OBJ is. I mean, athletically, I mean, you could argue he's the most athletic wide receiver in all of the NFL. But my argument is the head coach going to put him in his place and say, hey, man, there's going to be games where you get six targets if that's what we need to do to win the game. Or did they go to him and say, dude, we're going to give you 15 targets a game and you're going to be the focus of our, of our offense. We don't know that yet. And that's the only thing that scares me. He doesn't scare me whatsoever. I just want to see what this F offense is going to be. Is it going to be run first? Is it going to be pass first? Um, if it is pass first, or even if it's not, who's getting the lion's share? Is Jarvis Landry getting 10 receptions a game and he gets six, you know, like I'm just kind of worried about how the ball is going to get divvied up. Yeah, it is. It is tough in a new situation. I can definitely agree there. All right. Enough talking about OBJ, ex-Giant. I don't like the Giants. Uh, we're going to move on to the number six player on our consensus list, who is Juju Smith-Schuster. Right now, his current ADP is round two, pick number four, wide receiver number six. So he's the first wide receiver going in the second round in our ADP. Um, I had Juju ranked number eight. Nate, deal double G had him ranked at number three. Tell me, Nate, why do you got this at have him as your number three ranked wide receiver? Convince me. Man, J to the U, J to the U, Juju. This is the man. I, it might be like a little bit of bias pick. People say it's a homer pick. I'm a Steelers fan. I love Juju. I think he's a monster. I love his attitude. Um, I pretty much love everything about this guy, but it's not completely a bias pick. Maybe a little bit, just a little bit. But um, I've been I've been getting every share I can of Juju this year. He falls pretty deep, like you said. He's going in the round two, pick four, wide receiver six. You're able to get, uh, I think, a top three wide receiver in the second round, which is an extreme value. Um, and I'll be targeting him there all day long. I kind of want to go over his stats um, for last year. Last year, Juju, uh, his reception total was 111 receptions. That was sixth best amongst wide receivers last year. And he had an incredible 166 targets. That was fourth best last year amongst all wide receivers. I mean, that was with Antonio Brown in town getting 168 of those targets. Um, and then his touchdown total was a little low, it was seven touchdowns. That was 13th best. Um, and his uh, – his touchdowns available to him um, from Ben Roethlisberger were Ben Roethlisberger threw 35 touchdowns last year. So um, great season. Um, his efficiency metric that I've been going on about was 2.15 points per touch, um, which was not, like I said, in the elite uh, wide receiver total. I think Juju, his efficiency isn't elite uh, as last year. He didn't score the touchdowns. He got stuffed on the one yard line. I heard a uh, um, another analyst go out there and say he got stuffed on the one yard line. I think it was like a league high seven times. He got stopped on the one yard line. He turns a few of those into touchdowns. He's a little bit more efficient, but we'll just go off of what he actually did. The 2.15. That's not where his bread and butter is. His bread and butter is the target total. He's going to be a volume monster. Um, even more so I think than um, you know, a guy like Michael Thomas, I think his volume is going to increase this year. Not like Thomas make may decline. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster's targets are going to increase, and this is the main reason why. Antonio Brown left. He headed out west to the Oakland Raiders. He's doing all his trouble out there. And you know what left with him? 
168 targets and 16 touchdowns. 16 of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, 35 touchdowns went out west with Antonio Brown. 168 targets, gone, out west with Antonio Brown. Now, obviously, Juju's not going to stack up 168 targets, but I could see him at least, I mean, very minimum, he keeps the targets that he has. That's the, that's the worst-case scenario. Best-case scenario, he adds on 10 targets and uh, continues his season, scores a couple more touchdowns, turns a couple of those ones where he got stuffed over there at the one-yard line or inside the five, um, turns those into touchdowns instead, and now he has an incredible season um, vaulting him into that wide receiver three. Now, the Steelers, uh, they're not going to slow down. Like I mentioned earlier, they're going to keep their foot on the gas. They were the number two passing percentage offense in the league last year. They passed the ball a uh, 67.39% of the time. The only team better than them was the aforementioned Green Bay Packers. That's ridiculous. They threw the ball that much. Um, and Juju is going to be the main benefactor over there. Now, a lot of people are going to say, hey, they're just going to stack it up on Juju. Um, he's going to be uh, getting that Antonio Brown treatment now. I don't care. I don't care if he gets stacked up. He had, uh, he's played a total of four games without Antonio Brown, and he's done just fine in all of those uh, – well, in three of the four games. Um, so he's done well. Um, and then the other thing is Ben loves to force feed his number one wide receivers. It doesn't matter if they're in double coverage. doesn't matter if they have this safety over the top and linebacker underneath. It really doesn't matter. Ben loves to force feed his wide receiver ones, and he did that with Antonio Brown the last six years. He just forced the ball in there. Now let's talk about the players around him who might take a little bit of that, um, that pressure off of him. James Washington, uh, the second-year wide receiver, he's showing up. And um, if anyone's been watching Steelers preseason games, he's had two really good games. I know it's preseason, but he's had two really good games. Um, the Steelers are really high on him. Steelers draft wide receivers really well. So I'm really uh, thinking he's going to do well outside. They're going to put Dante Moncrief. I think uh, he's, he's, he's been – I don't know. The main competition is between James Washington and Dante Moncrief. Um, one of those guys is going to go outside or both of them are going to go outside and they kick Juju inside to the slot and he can, continues to play the slot or he plays the outside. Um, anyway, Juju is going to be out there. He has some protection. Uh, I'm not scared. The only um, downside I have to Juju is his average depth of target was right there. 8.4 was a little bit better than Michael Thomas, but it's not in the elite range. That's why his touch, low touchdown total and his average depth of target are, are low. That's why his efficiency numbers are a little bit low. Um, I think he increases those without Antonio Brown. He's still he's not the deep threat, so that's just not his game. His game is to take the ball um, inside, you know, 8.4 yards and then take it to the house. That's kind of his, his mantra. So um, I'm all in on Juju this year. You give me every share that I can take, and I'm going to be feasting with this man. Woo. Juju. Man. All right. I'm going to start off by saying what I think is great about Juju. The first thing I want to mention is uh, Nate already talked about it, but the Steelers lineage with wide receivers is just insane. And ever since I've been watching um, the Steelers football, since I was a little kid, they've always had a wide receiver. I just wanted to name off some of the wide receivers that they've had in recent history. Santonio Holmes, Super Bowl MVP, uh, Juju, um, Antoine Randall-L, Yancey Thigpen, Plexico Burris, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel, Sanier, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, um, 
I can go on and on and on. You forgot Hines, why. Psycho Ward, Plexico Burris. Come on now. I said Plexico Burris, didn't I? Nope. No, I didn't. All right. Sorry. Well, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Plus, Hines I forgot Ward. my boy, Lima Swede. Oh, t- don't even <laughs> talk about Lima Swede out of Texas. Second round pick, never did anything. Um, and AB, I mean, all those wide receivers that we just that we just named right now, I mean, we're talking about within a 10-year span. I'm, we're talking about legit number one wide receivers that the Steelers, it's in, it's within their organization. I mean, we didn't even talk about Lynn Swan or the older wide receivers that they've had. They just know how to have running backs and wide, re- wide receivers, especially wide receivers. Another argument that I want to make for Juju is I want to name off some of these names real quick. Um, Mike Evans. Vincent Jackson, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Larry Fitz, Anquan Bolden, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dez, Terrell Owens, Julio Jones, Roddy White. What's my point? Um, at some point, Mike Evans was a number two to Vincent Jackson. At some point, Torrey Holt was a number two to Isaac Bruce. At some point, the great Larry Fitzgerald was a number two to Anquan Bolden. Reggie Wayne to Marvin Harrison, Des to Terrell, Julio Jones to Roddy White. At some point, it's not like running backs. Running backs, you either get your opportunity or you don't get your opportunity. Um, For wide receivers, that is proof right there, and I could have made the list 80 times longer (laughs) with how many times a number two emerged from a number one and became a legit number one. So there is a lot of evidence that supports that for the people that are, are, are going to be deterred and say, well, Antonio Brown's not there anymore. So now he's going to get all the double coverage. It doesn't matter. History proves that you could be a, a, a legit number two. We're talking about, let me go to my stats really quick. Juju last year had 111 receptions, 1,426, seven touchdowns is a number two. We're talking about a guy that is now going to be the featured number one with no competition. It's not even going to be close. Nate was over here praying, whoever that second-year player was, Nate, you were over there praying that this guy was going to be something. He has no competition at wide receiver. This is the man in Pittsburgh. I talked about Ben Roethlisberger earlier. Say whatever you want about Big Ben. There's a lot of people that don't like him personally. But if you just look at his numbers, he is one of the most prolific quarterbacks of his era. The dude knows how to throw the ball. He, like Nate said, he force-fed A.B. for all of those years. He's going to force-feed him. It's going to be his number one target. He's going to be hitting him like crazy. Now, with all of that said, there's one thing that should strike fear in your heart is you, you won't know it until you see it. You have the evidence of him as a number two, and that's the only legit argument I can actually hear coming from anybody is, the, is what I already talked about. AB's not there. He's going to get the number one coverage. He's going to be the focal point. They're going to try to take him away. I would argue that with saying that he still has James Conner. James Conner is going to help balance that out. They're going to have to pick their poison. Are they going to stop the run? with one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, or are they going to stop the pass? So I think they're going to help each other out. I think he is a safe pick. If I can get him in the second round, I will be really excited to have Juju 
but I've seen him going in the first round, but I'm saying if I get a shot at him in the second round, come home to daddy. I want you with me, Juju Smith-Schuster. After those big facts about J to the U, J to the U, we move into our number seven wide receiver on our consensus list. That is Tyreek Hill. He's currently going in round two, pick six, wide receiver seven. James had him exactly there at wide receiver seven. I had him exactly there at wide receiver seven. So big surprise that he's our consensus wide receiver seven. Jimmy, tell me the facts that I'm going to spew out because we thought the exact same thing about him. Tyreek Hill. Five foot ten, 185 pounds, ran a 4-2-9-40. This guy is a burner. This guy was picked 165th in the 2016 draft in the fifth round out of West Alabama. This guy was a steal. He is a three-time pro bowler and a two-time all-pro. Both of those coming on special teams, not actually as a wide receiver. Last year's stats, he had 87 receptions. For 1,479 yards, a awesome 17 average per reception, and 12 touchdowns. He's the only wide receiver that I added his rushing totals on because he added 21 rushing attempts for 159 yards, average of uh, 7.6, and he had three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill. is one of the best all-around football players in the NFL. He is small, but he is fast. He's And the biggest thing about Tyreek Hill is he's featured in the number three overall passing offense. Last year, they threw for 4,955 4, yards. He accounted for 30%. 50 total touchdowns through the air last year. He accounted for 24% of those. Um, He has Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, who is the most exciting player in all of the NFL uh, right now. They have the number one overall offense. 73% of their total offense is through the air. 68% of their total touchdowns is through the air. Okay. This team is loaded that he's on. Okay. They have Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde at running back. They have Miko Hardman and Sammy Watkins at wide receiver. And they have arguably the best tight end in all the NFL, Travis Kelsey. Their head coach is Andy Reid, who is highly regarded as one of the best offensive minds in the NFL um, in the whole past decade and even before that. Um, This team has ran through their offense. Um, They have arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And – the argument for for Tyreek Hill really comes down to are they going to be able to produce the same amount of offense as they did last year? Uh, this offense has a lot of mouths to feed. Um, they have talented wide receivers, talented running backs. Andy Reid likes his running backs to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. They catch a lot of balls. And you have the best tight end in the NFL who's going to be eating up receptions and yards. I feel like his number totals are totally dependent on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes is able to repeat the season that he had last year or get somewhere close to it, then I feel like he's going to have similar numbers. 
I think Patrick Mahomes is going to – I think he's not going to hit that high. I don't think that offense is going to produce those numbers that it did last year. I do um, expect his numbers to come down a little bit. That's why I had him ranked all the way at number seven. The other thing with Tyreek Hill, um, I don't really like commenting on these things, but uh, he obviously had some legal issues that have seemed to been have they've been cleared up. But anytime any player has any type of legal issues, I don't care what position that you play uh, in the world of fantasy. That's something that you got to think about. That history repeats itself. I'm not saying that he's ever going to violate again. Or I'm not even saying that he did violate, but that's just something that you got to keep in mind as far as suspensions go. That's what I got on Tyreek Hill, Nate. What are you going to add to this? You know what's kind of crazy about this? I was looking after doing this, putting him at seven. Uh, Tyreek Hill finished wide receiver one in half-point PPR leagues last year. Wide receiver one, and we have them both have him at seven. His situation really hasn't changed. He's still going to have the same quarterback, the offensive coordinator, Andy Reid. He's still going to have all the same people around him, but we dropped him down that far. Uh, and I can only think it's because he's kind of, when I view Tyreek Hill, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm totally wrong on this, is he's kind of like a feast or famine play to me. I had him last year, and he feasted all the time. He was incredibly efficient. His efficiency number that I had was 2.61 points per touch. Uh, there were only one person in the top 15 that had a higher efficiency point total than him in 2018. Um, he, was, he was a monster. He averaged points per game, 17.8 points per game, which was third best amongst wide receivers. Um, still had a great target total at 137 targets. It's 12th best. Um, his total, uh, I mean, like you, you, you mentioned on his other stats, he was just, he was incredibly efficient. Uh, and, he got, and he also has that kind of rushing floor that helps him have just to have a little bit higher floor than some of these other wide receivers that don't run the ball. I'm just a little scared when I, when I build my team and I put Tyree kill as my wide receiver one, I don't know really why I have to get around this. I think it's just the feast or famine kind of thing. He, he lives on the deep ball. You saw it all year. And last year he was on the right side of every reception this year. For some reason, I watched a lot, a lot of Chiefs games, more Chiefs games than I've ever watched in my entire life just because I thought Patrick Mahomes is so special and he's just a great player to watch. So obviously I got to see all of Tyreek Hill's receptions and he was on the good side of so many receptions that just kind of went his way. It's either he made them go his way because of his talent or um, he was just got lucky. I'm not saying he got lucky, but I, I'm just not there. I, I think that Travis Kelsey still has the same year he has last year. He's going to soak up a lot of targets. Um, maybe the running game soaks up some of the targets. Maybe um, Hardman, the new wide receiver, he's kind of a flashy wide receiver like that. He gets a little bit more involved. Sammy Watkins was injured some last year, so maybe those targets go away from him. Um, I just and, I, and then I just think the offense as a whole takes a small regression. I don't think that they can run at that 50-touchdown total that they did last year. I don't think that Patrick Mahomes runs at that. The league always gets used to these high-profile offenses, and if they don't adjust, then they have a regression. I can see definitely see a regression over there in Kansas City, and that's why I was uh, a lot lower than Tyree Kill finished last year. That's why I rated him there. You, you said what I said. We agree on that. I mean, that's the, he's a product of that offense. Like, Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't want to take anything away from Tyree Kill. I think he's one of the 
biggest offensive weapons in all of the NFL, just overall as a weapon. He could do it through the air. He could do it on the ground. But he's a product of that offense. And the offense, I believe, and Nate believes, is going to regress a little bit, maybe a lot. Who knows? Either way, it's going to regress. We both expect his numbers to go down. Enough with Tyreek Hill. It's time to get on to our next wide receiver on the list. Wide receiver number eight on our our consensus list is Mike Evans. His current ADP, he's going in round two, pick number nine. He's wide receiver number eight. I had him ranked number five. Nate had him ranked number 10. Nate, explain to me why you got him at number 10. Well, it's again kind of like that Tyreek Hill uh, syndrome (laughs) I had right there. Like I just think he lives and dies on the deep ball. Um, And it has shown in his his career, his entire career, he has these like – he has a really great season, then he comes down and has an average season. He has a really great season, then an average season. Um, he's not very consistent within his seasons. But last year, remember I was telling you the efficiency ranking, and it was 2.61 was Tyreek Hill, and there was only one man better than him in this list on the top 15. That man was Mike Evans. He averaged 2.8 yards per touch, which is just ridiculous. He was incredibly efficient, and that's because his average depth of target – was 15.7. That was the best in the league. 15.7 average depth per target. Um, just an absolute monster, catching all those deep balls from Fitz Magic, having all that craziness last year, um, and Jameis Winston having all that craziness last year. So just an incredibly good guy. But I marked down those same numbers and ranked it out in 2017 where he didn't have as good a year, and he was only 2.3 efficiency. Still elite level if you're getting the volume which he really doesn't. I'm going to kind of dive into his stats here. So last year he was 10th in targets with 139 targets. Um, He had 86 receptions, which was 11th, and he had eight touchdowns, which was 12th. Um, That was out of a possible 36 touchdowns, which probably would be about the same. They have a high-flying offense, high-profile offense. They want to chuck the ball. He might actually get some more deep targets because now Deshaun Jackson isn't in town. Um, and we know who the, the short yardage guy is, Chris Godwin. So he's the guy who blows the, the top off the defense. Um, his targets per game were 8.7, which is pretty respectable, at 11. Um, and his uh, points per game was 15.1 points, fantasy points per game in 2018. So he had an incredibly good season. Um, very good wide receiver one numbers for him there. I just – I smell a regression. I think that Fitz Magic was special last year in those games that he was there, and he really, really liked Mike Evans. Um, I think Chris Godwin takes some of these targets. Um, O.J. Howard is there. He's not going to be getting any of those um, red zone targets. There, are, A lot of them go to O.J. Howard. Uh, I just – I'm really not buying in on Mike Evans. I like him as, like, my wide receiver two. I'd be very comfortable with him sitting at my wide receiver two, a really high-end wide receiver two with huge upside. I got to have huge games, but he just doesn't get the volume to make me just really excited about him. Uh, his only, the only great thing about him is that he gets those huge average depth for target 15.7. And he's incredibly efficient when he gets those deep balls, but I'm not there. I don't, I'm not buying in on this man. Uh, I probably will have very little shares of him because of how far I have him down the list and not kind of not giving him that wide receiver one, uh, I don't know, upside, I guess. Um, what do you got? Why are you having him at five? I mean, five, I think, is higher. Uh, the, 
the consensus list by the experts has him still at, I think, eight. So you're three spots higher than him. I'm two spots below. Um, last year, he finished as wide receiver nine. So that's right there. Why do you have him? What do you, what do you think he's going to do better next year to be the wide receiver five? Well, I mean, when I look at his, when I look at his total receptions, he had 86 receptions. All right. That ranked him sixth amongst wide receivers. His yards were 1,524, which ranked him fifth. His average per reception was 17.7, which is amazing, which ranked him second on this list. And his TDs were eight, which had him tied for fifth place. When you look at his numbers, those are pretty damn good numbers for for it being your wide receiver number one. I do agree with you. He's going in the second round um, in all of the drafts that mock drafts I've been doing. But I think you're getting him as a steal in the second round. And the reason I'm really optimistic about him is for one reason, Nate, and you should see this coming because you know I like looking at the head coach, and the head coach is Bruce Arians. And Bruce Arians loves to let it rip. In every place that he's been, he's coached Peyton Manning. He's coached uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He coached a homeboy out there in Arizona, turned the end of his career into something great. What was his name? The old Bengals and oh, Raiders Carson quarterback. Palmer. He took Carson Palmer and made something out of him. They brought Bruce Arians there to stabilize Jameis Winston and figure out what's going on. I do agree with you. His his numbers were monster last year because of Fitzmagic, hundred um, percent. And that's what uh, that's that's what catapulted him um, last year. But I'm confident that Bruce Arians can go in there and uh, straighten Jameis Winston out. And Bruce Arians is not no dummy. He knows his biggest weapon that he has is Mike Evans, and he's going to find a way to feature him in the offense and feed him the ball. Truth. No, I mean, there's, that's a ton of truth, and I, I can see the upside with him. I'm, I would be I, – I can see myself getting burned not picking this guy just because of how good he is and not having very many shares of him in, on my teams. Um, another, But I can see myself – I just don't think he's very safe. He just has a really high upside – um, a really low floor. Uh, and here's another stat that I didn't throw out there. He had 13 red zone targets last year, and that was 35th in the league out of all uh, wide receivers. So um, he's not he's not making his money inside the red zone, which I think is really crazy. I think the dude's like six foot four. So dude, um, dude he he's six foot five. Yeah. He's a four five three forty. I'm telling you, Bruce Arians. He's going to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands. And for his career, he's averaged 79 receptions a year, 1221 yards, and eight TDs, which is not like insane numbers, but that factors in the first couple of years where he was a number two and Vincent Jackson was the number one. Uh, He just has to be really efficient. That's the problem. He has to be really efficient. He's not going to have that safe floor of some of these other guys that we talked about just getting monster I, reception numbers. He just has to be really efficient. I swear to God, if Mr. Kangal hat does not feed this dude, I'm going <laughs> to kill Bruce Arians. I'll kill Bruce Arians. Kangal hat and those thick glasses. Yep. All right. Enough with Mike Evans. Nate is going to present number nine. We're switching it up a little bit. Number nine on our consensus list, we have no other than Antonio Brown. His current ADP is going in round number two, pick number 10, wide receiver number nine. I had AB ranked as my number 10 wide receiver. 
Nate had him a little bit higher. He had him ranked number eight. Uh, both of us almost on the same page. Let's hear what you got to say about AB. Bom, bom. Yeah, Antonio. <laughs> Dude, Antonio Brown, that was my guy for sure. I love that man. If he Rest in peace. If he was in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform next year, I would be all over him. He'd be my wide receiver one. It wouldn't even be a conversation. Um, I think I've told Jimmy for years, I think that this guy has like Jerry Rice abilities where he's able to, um, you know, just run great routes, great hands. Just an absolute monster. But – that was in Pittsburgh where they have a very good opportunity. Let's say, let's go over some of those stats that he had while he was in Pittsburgh. Oh my God. So last year he had 169 targets. That was second in the league. He averaged 18.1 fantasy points per game, which was also second in the league. He, his uh, targets per game, 11.3. That was number one in the league. He had 104 receptions. That was number seven um, out of all wide receivers. He had 15 touchdowns. That was number one out of all wide receivers. His red zone targets, a small man. He's not very big, but he can get open. He had 21 red zone targets, which was fifth best. Um, just And his uh, efficiency ranking <clears throat> was super high at 2.6. That's right behind Tyreek Hill, right behind Mike Evans third best amongst all the wide receivers we ranked here. Just an absolute monster. So why do we not have him as the uh, wide receiver one? It's because he's no longer in Pittsburgh. He's in Oakland where the outlook just ain't so good. Uh, saying the grass is always greener on the other side is not get some, true. Get it's, some Kleenex ready, Raider yeah, fans. Nate's yeah. about to give it to you. The, the Oakland Raiders just were not very good last year. Um, now, well, I, I mentioned his, uh, his touchdown total. His touchdown total was 15 in Pittsburgh. You know how many touchdowns that Derek Carr had last year? He had 19. There is no way, no way in hell that Antonio Brown <laughs> is able to get that, that 15 touchdown Ooh. total. It's just not going to happen. The offense isn't as good. Um, I don't believe in old Chucky over there. Um, he no longer has Ben Roethlisberger, who had this insane um, passing percentage. Um, the Raiders, they were they still pass the ball a lot, but a lot of those were dink and dunk passes off to uh, that running back Washington. Do you think? Uh, do, you, do you think twenty five percent of those routes were wide to uh, Spider? <laughs> yeah, probably. Wide <laughs> to Banana Spider or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, they they had uh, their passing play percentage um, was number twelve in the league. Um, Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, his average depth of target was 11.4. I don't see it being the same over there in Oakland. Um, he has just so much drama and so much baggage is coming with him. This helmet drama that's coming to town. Uh, it's just not a good situation. There's another, the Pittsburgh Steelers threw for 313 yards per game last year. That was number two in the league. Amazing. Good opportunity for any wide receiver. The Oakland Raiders, they threw, threw for 234 yards per game. That's number 18 in the league. Bad opportunity for all wide receivers. Uh, he has no one to protect him over there. I know they got uh, Tyrell Williams from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Um, they lost their leading target catcher last year, which was uh, the tight end. They lost him to the Saints. Um, they're, it's just a bad situation over in Oakland. I'm not buying in. I want no part of Antonio Brown this year. I don't care if he, any, if he falls to me anywhere in the second round. 
I'm not buying. And then my last thing about AB, why I don't want any part of him, is that last year, week 17, Steelers in a must-win situation. Antonio Brown gives up on the team, doesn't go out there and play, sits on the sidelines, doesn't even dress. Just an, It's just extremely disrespectful and shows how much he has in a good team, like how much he's invested into a team, into, your, into their team. So just think of a good situation like in Pittsburgh where it was usually good and he was usually calm. You didn't hear anything from A.B. The only time that you ever heard anything from A.B. was when things were bad. Things are going to be bad in Oakland. So he's going to be very vocal. He's going to be in Carr's ear. He's going to be demanding targets. And I just don't see that turning out good for anyone involved. I'm not buying on A.B. I have him at eight. Um, that, was pro- that was before some of this stuff has come out, before he froze his foot off and, uh, and went, went nuts out about that helmet. So, um, James, tell me what you got on A.B., what you feel. I hope you Raider fans took my advice and went and uh, grabbed some Kleenex because I'm about to kick a, a man while he's down. Just to reiterate some of Nate's points, we're talking about somebody that is very selfish, somebody that's very insecure and lashes out on his teammates and other people when it's not necessary. We're talking about the, the best wide receiver of his era, the very best the same mold as a Tim Brown, a Jerry Rice, a Marvin Harrison. The dude just knows how to get open and score touchdowns. And I don't know who's to blame, who's to blame in Pittsburgh, but the fact of the matter is, is he had the chance to go down as one of the greatest of all times. He still has that chance, but he's risking it by going to Oakland. Oakland is a mess. He's a mess. He's making Oakland a mess right now. This guy is a new new age Terrell Owens. He likes to burn down locker rooms. He he helped burn down uh, Pittsburgh Steelers locker locker room. They got rid of him. They they got rid of arguably the best wide receiver of his era. Sent him to Oakland, crying about his helmet, jacked up his feet. That's the last thing you want from a veteran guy you just traded for, who's supposed to be the most talented person on your offense. Uh, I will not be taking him. Uh, I, I pray for anybody that does take him. May he be everything that you wish and hope for. And I'll leave it at that. A boom, baby. All right. We'll move to our next man, the number 10 on our list consensus ranking. It is Adam Thielen. Round three, pick three, wide receiver 11. You'll see this man, Adam Thielen, floating around. Uh, Jimmy had him at number nine and I had him all the way at number 12. So, um, I didn't like him as my, on my number 10 list. Um, James loved Adam Thielen. So James gets to talk about Mr. Thielen. Mr. Adam Thielen, six foot two, 200 pounds, <clears throat> ran a four, four, nine 40. He was undrafted. He went to Minnesota State. Mankatu, can he, I can't even pr- pronounce it. He's a two-time pro, pro bowler, second team, all pro. The thing that kind of jumped out to me, and I don't know why it did, I thought he was earlier into his career than he actually is. He's been in the league for five years. In those first three years, he didn't really make an impact. These last two years, he's really taken off um, last year. 
He had 113 receptions for 1,373 yards, 12.2 average with nine TDs. Uh, He was featured in the number 13 passing offense. Uh, They threw for 4,036 yards. He accounted for 34% of all the yards through the air. So about one third of their passing offense went through him Um, out of, uh, they threw 30 touchdowns and he accounted for 30% of their touchdown production. So one out of every three touchdowns that they got through the air went through Adam Thielen. Um, His quarterback is Kirk Cousins who is not the most amazing quarterback in the world, ex-Redskins quarterback, so we know he's garbage. Uh, But they seem to have a very good connection to each other since uh, Kirk Cousins has shown up. Um, And even the year before that, uh, he's been been one of the top players, um, one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. That was with Case Keenum, right? Like, that's a garbage quarterback. Yeah, that was with Case Keenum and then – Kirk Cousins, 73% of the Minnesota offense is through the air, which, like, really surprised me. I don't know why. I thought I always think of their defense, and you would think that they would have a good running game, but apparently 73% of their total offense is through the air, and 70% of their total TDs is through the air. So this is an offense that is pass first, and this is the number one uh, target in that offense. Um their running back is Dalvin Cook. Um, he's been injured every year. He's been in the league. Um, so we don't know what he's fully potential, his full potential is. We don't know. I'm betting that he's not going to stay healthy this season. But um, only time will tell. Um, at wide receiver, they got Stefan Diggs, who's on the other side of him. Um, Stefan Diggs had some significant stats. He had 102 receptions for 1,021 yards and nine touchdowns. So Stefan Diggs does take the other majority of the catches at tight end. They have Kyle Rudolph, who, which I don't think is very significant at all. Um, their offensive coordinator is uh, Kevin Stefanski. This is his first year um, as offensive coordinator of any team. He's been assistant quarterback coach, tight ends coach, running backs coach. Um, the one thing that kind of stood out to me with this guy was Kirk Cousins had the best year of his career under this guy. Um, Kirk Cousins had a 70.1 completion percentage. He threw for over 4,000 yards, had 30 touchdowns, and and only 10 interceptions. And I guess this was, you know, they throw out those crazy BS stats. This is a crazy BS stat. He's the first quarterback to ever do that. (laughs) 70.1 completion, 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Uh, So – I'm expecting uh, Kirk Cousins to uh, to have a, another efficient year. Um, if you've been watching them in preseason, you could already see it in the preseason. I know the preseason is nothing, but they're showing off that connection um, early on. This guy's a very safe pick. Um, the majority of their offense goes through the air, so it doesn't really scare me that much that Stefan Diggs um, takes another big piece of the pie. I think uh, he's still going to be his number one target, and uh, he's he's going to maintain that bigger piece than Stephon Diggs just because of their connection. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got on Adam Thielen. Tell me what you don't like about him because you had him <laughs> at number 12, mate. So Dude, what's wrong with this guy? Is it? I think I he's going to – go, oh, go for it. Say it. 
I was going to say, this is the only white guy on this list. <laughs> um, I, can assure, <laughs> I can assure you that's not the reason. Uh, no, Adam Thielen, I think he's going in the right round. I just think he's going on the wrong end of it. He's going in the top of the third. I'd love to get him at the bottom of the third. That's where I kind of feel that I would get a value out of him. He started off the season as an absolute monster, so I don't think you can really take his stats uh, and just place them, hey, here's his year-end stats. I'd like to break that down into the back end of it and check out those stats. He really flopped at the back end of the season. Um, I do agree, though. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to have uh, kind of a increased role. He In in Washington, he was kind of a gunslinger. And, and over here, in, when he came to Minnesota, learning a new offense and all of that, I don't, I don't think he was his normal Kirk Cousins uh, mentality. So I think that he becomes more of that gunslinger. Adam Thielen is going to obviously be the dude who uh, is the beneficiary for that um, coming out of the slot. Uh, I'm not, I, I definitely think there's enough to go around to feed him um, and the other targets that you mentioned there. Uh, his efficiency rate, ranking that I've been uh, talking about was only 2.12. Um, if he gets enough volume, he still could, it, that still could be good for him. Um, he, he was his team passing touchdowns, 30 touchdowns available. So he, uh, his red zone targets was seventh best among wide receivers, which was, uh, 20. He had 20 red zone targets. So that's pretty good. I mean, he just had a, he had a decent season, but he had a great start. That was the, that was the big thing. Mm -hmm. He averaged 15.7, uh, fantasy points per game, which was eighth best amongst wide receivers, 153 targets, which was sixth best amongst wide receivers. So um, really good season. I can see him doing uh, – I, I don't know. I don't think he gets off to a hotter start, but I don't think he cools off at the end of the season. I think he has a, a very good season, and I'd love to get him at the back end of the third if, if he can fall that far, but I'm definitely not taking him at the top end. I think there's a lot better options there. Um, just not just not feeling Alan Thielen. Man. Um, one, one last thing I wanted to throw out there about Adam Thielen. He broke the all-time NFL record last year for the most 100-yard games in a season. He had 11 100-yard games. The previous, uh, the previous owner of that record is Hall of Famer Michael Irvin. He had more 100-yard games than the great Randy Moss. And when we think of Randy Moss in his prime, we think about him being a Viking. I mean, this dude was Mr. Consistency out of probably most – wide receivers because I mean he had 11 games where he went for 100 yards that's only five games where he had less than 100 yards and I mean if you could grab this dude in the third round 113 receptions 1373 yards and nine touchdowns I don't know if his numbers are going to be that good again this season but that's true number wide number one wide receiver numbers if you could grab him in the third round I think he's a still yeah no for sure uh I think he'd be tough in the third round. I think you'd build a solid squad with him. Uh, he's the typical, like, low floor – I mean, high floor, low ceiling type of guy. You know, just the guy you want to build around in a shaky round three. We were talking about that earlier. Round three is a tough round, and uh, he, he could be a target that could be a win for sure out there. Now I'm going to break down uh, – those were our top ten. Now I'm going to break down 11, 12, 13, and 14. That's as far as we went. Um, we had at a number 11 is T.Y. Hilton. Um, I had him at nine. James had him at 12. We had Amari Cooper at number 12. Uh, I had him at number 11. James had him at 13. Um, Keenan Allen, he was uh, our number 13 wide receiver. I didn't have him on the list. 
and James had him at 11. And then we had uh, Brandon Cooks, which I had at 13, and James did not have him on the list. So they were kind of probably even right there. It was either, It's probably a tie at 13, actually. So um, that is our consensus top 14 wide receivers. For all of our updates, uh, hit us up on Instagram. Our Instagram is fantasy on tap. Uh, check us out there. We, uh, we do updates. We do staff every day. Um, so check us out on that. Um, remember, all of these points are for half point per reception um, scoring format. So just take that into account going into all of your drafts. Uh, if you're doing standard drafts or full point, you might have to adjust these rankings. Man, just want to give a shout out to all the fans, all the people that um, listen to our episodes. I want you guys to know that me and Nate put a lot of time and work into this effort. Nate mentioned in the beginning of the show, we both work uh, full-time jobs. Nate's a full-time dad, and it's hard for us to link up sometimes, but we put a lot of time and effort into finding these stats and this information to bring you the fantasy truth and some real opinions and go deep into some of these players and not just some basic stuff, not some list that you're going to read off on the internet. We really appreciate all of the support. Please like us, please share us, please rate us, please give us feedback. If you have questions, please hit us up on Instagram. If you want to be featured on the show, if you have a beer that you would like us to try, hit us up and we'll do it for you. We'll answer your questions. Peace, love, and chicken grease. Peace out. <laughs> Peace, love, and chicken grease. <laughs> out.